0: hoops dedicated podcast i am matt minnick your host as always coming to you here with with michael rogner uh co-hosting and and michael it's another podcast another another one that we get to celebrate not just a win but a but a double digit win in in the yum center
1: yeah i don't remember a ton of double digit wins and and acc history so it's good to talk about too so quick back to back that's that's great
0: well, and, and the exact same score, uh, 78 to 65, that Florida State beat Louisville last year in the Yum Center. Uh, so so that's, that's uh, just one of those unique oddities of sports. Uh, th- this one, it's, you know, there was, I, I don't want to say that there was never any doubt because I'm sure that. Everyone tensed up just a little bit whenever uh, Louisville finally cut it to single digits there in the second half. I think they cut it to eight or nine at one point on a, on a three-point shot. But um, to, for all intents and purposes, it was largely over by halftime. And and Florida State, to me, did what, what I think is probably – Louisville allowed to happen what I think may be the worst case scenario when playing a, a team like Florida state. And even though we're not, maybe not as deep as we have been last year, for instance, we're still a deep team by, by college basketball standards. And um, you know, they allowed Florida state to get hot early and and build a sort of not just a double digit lead, but a 20 point lead on the strength of some absolute, you know, net scorching uh, three point shooting, uh, by Wyatt Wilkes, Scotty Barnes, and 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 others, and and you dig a hole like that against Florida State, and it just seems like it's going to be a difficult task to come back against a long, physical team that is able to throw waves of bodies at you. Is that is that you know kind of sum it
1: up? Yeah, and especially the way that they played, they only they only really played seven guys. <laughs> Um, JJ Trainer played four minutes, so I guess you can you can technically count him. But so expecting them to really have fresh legs, and we had talked about in the in the previous pod where you know the, the guys were playing like 39, 40 minutes against Miami, so the, uh, Louisville was probably a little too worn down in the second half to really mount a comeback, and it was it was the free throws that kind of that kind of helped them st- stay close. And without that, it probably could have been, you know, a twenty-point game easily.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's right. Uh, a, a bit of a Florida State only took ten free throws in this game compared to the twenty-six or seven that they took at home previously against UNC. And and yeah, you, you kind of hit it there. Uh, Carlick Jones played thirty-six minutes in the game, uh, just as we had talked about beforehand. He's been playing thirty-six plus pretty much every ACC game. Uh, David Johnson played thirty-four, and and you think about it let's say that Louisville is able to complete the monumental 24 point comeback and, and come all the way back and tie the game, right? Let's say there's eight minutes left in the game and and Louisville ties it up. You then have to say, all right, well, keep playing even ball or better for the last eight minutes after you've just expended all of this energy uh, just to tie it up. That, That just seems like a, like a losing proposition against against Florida state. And it's one that, you know chris mack kind of his teams kind of seem to continually find themselves in against against leonard hamilton seminoles
1: yeah the the the, the, the flip side of the, the whole minutes thing that would make it so hard to have that comeback you know calhoun wilkes balsa those guys only played 14 to 16 minutes each you know so our, our guys were super fresh so even if even if they had come back It's like, that's, that is definitely, you know, you're right on point there. That is not the recipe for how to, how to beat Florida state. If you're, if you're down at some 24 points at at some point in the game, you know, it's obviously not looking good against anybody, but against a team like Florida state, that's, that's a, that's a tough hill to climb.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so this was a Florida State team that, that flexed its muscle, its muscle actually without Anthony Polite. Uh, before the game, we had sort of asked ourselves, well, is Scotty Barnes playing? Because he, as you may recall, uh, tweaked his ankle in the NC State blowout, uh, did not play in the UNC win uh, the, the game after, and, and he was sort of a game-time decision and was able to give it a go for 22 minutes and actually had a productive 22 minutes. Um, you know, I mentioned the couple of threes there, he he had you know 10 points 6 boards a block a couple steals so so a well rounded performance by Scotty Barnes uh, but the, the team actually lost Anthony Polite arguably its best uh, perimeter defender uh, by the numbers uh, the team's best three point shooter and yet still went nine for 21 from three, uh, scored almost 1.2 points per possession, and held Louisville under one point per, uh, per possession. What What did you think about the job Florida State was able to do uh, on the perimeter and defensively without starter Anthony Polite?
1: Yeah, I was concerned when I when the game first started and they said he wasn't playing about you know, they've got Carly Jones and David Johnson. Those are, those are both big time players on the perimeter and Anthony polite, as you mentioned, is our best perimeter defender. So how was it going to affect us? And turns out really didn't affect us at all. And, 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 and that, that's a, that's a tribute to to ham and the coaches and, and the system that they've, that they've stuck in you, 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 you unplug Anthony Polite, you plug in Scotty Barnes and, and everything just kind of rolls along as, as, as normal. And the, the, the reason that it rolled along as normal is because we knocked down shots. And, I, and you know, I, I got a couple texts during the game that basketball is awfully fun when your team is making shots. And as as long as we're, you know, shooting 40 plus percent from three, it's going to be awfully d- difficult team to beat, regardless of whether or not, you know, Anthony Polite or some other random starter is is out of the lineup.
0: Yeah no yeah and 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 it was a team effort truly uh, Calhoun as he is wont to do made his only uh, only three attempt he, he's had uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me but he's had three or four games uh, this year where he is he's one for one. Uh, from three. So Calhoun shipped in there. Um, the Barnes, as mentioned, made a couple Wyatt Wilkes got the start in place of Anthony polite. He came out on fire, hit three, three balls early. Also, by the way, I would note that he grabbed a couple of rebounds and, and some steals too. So nice performance by, by the junior Wilkes and Raquan Evans, who, who really, um, we've talked about now the last couple of podcasts, since maybe the Gardner web game um, Raekwon Evans has really turned a corner and, and it's not just I think we mentioned this last time it hasn't just been in games where Scotty Barnes was out there's been you know people talk oh well is it does the offense just flow better with Raekwon uh, you know and, and we could we could have that discussion but this was a this is you know the NC State game and the and the Louisville game, Scotty Barnes played 20 plus minutes in both of those, in fact, played on the court at the same time with Raquan Evans uh, for, for a number of minutes. But man, Evans, uh, the senior, ha- has really found himself three for four from three point shooting. Uh, he had he had a few rebounds there and a steal and just played a nice all around game controlling uh, controlling FSU's offense.
1: Yeah, if it weren't if it weren't for Raquan Gray, the other Raquan, we might be talking about Evans as as the MVP of this little run that Florida State's put together. He has been playing well. We the 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 one thing that we knew about him coming into, you know, when he came into Florida State is how well he plays downhill, you know, at JUCO he was just constantly getting to the rim. That was his game. And he's always been a solid shooter, but he's not a, he's not a great shooter um and he he needs time to get his shot off and so what I think we've seen a little more aggressive Raekwon in, in in this stretch he's he's not only been aggressive going to the rim but he's also been aggressive putting up a shot you know when he when he is wide open and we saw that he made three or four this game and and yeah it's it's He's been playing great, and to be able to take a little pressure off of Scotty Barnes—that's that's just that's kind of a game changer for at least in 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 January. You know, who knows how it'll be in March? But at this point in the season, you know, that having having him be able to sh- bur- shoulder so much weight is just a game changer.
0: It is, and and I might I might even challenge a little bit of of you saying he's not a great shooter. I, I will completely admit that it is a small sample size. We're still talking about a guy who. Uh, for his Florida State career has only attempted 32 threes. Uh, we you know PJ Savoy used to get up 32 threes uh, in about four games sometimes. So I, I will gladly accept the small sample size. But when you look at um, when you look at his conference only, you know just looking at ACC opponents, conference only shooting last year from three, six of 13, uh, right there, about 45, 50 percent. And and conference only shooting this year, six of eight, so 75% there. He's certainly a guy that while his two-point percentages maybe um, at to your point, sometimes he, he can't always find the right, you know, get it generate enough space on his own. He can play downhill, but maybe isn't the best um, playmaker in terms of creating space off the dribble. When he gets set up for when he gets his shoulders square and, and gets set up for an open catch and shoot three he seems to be knocking them down uh, even if we are talking about a sample size of, of around 30. Um, I don't know. So maybe a challenge there, but you mentioned Raekwon Gray. So we've talked now for about 10 minutes and haven't even mentioned uh, the big fella back to back Ken Palm MVPs. Keep in mind folks that uh, so Ken Pomeroy.com it's advanced analytics. Anyone can sign up for a membership. His, his stuff is, you know, just, Blossomed and, and kind of become. I don't want to say the gold standard, but among the the you know best practices for the last four or five years, um, his algorithm takes one MVP for the whole game. It's not one per team. It's one one for the whole game. Typically, it would go to the to the player on a winning team, but not always is the case. Uh, Raekwon Gray, up to his uh, up until the North Carolina game. He had never had a Ken Palm MVP in his Florida State career. He has now put up uh, back-to-back Ken Palm, Ken Palm MVP performances, knocking down shots in both games, uh, all over the court, uh, p- grabbing rebounds, facilitating assists. Uh, you know, he is just—I I- mean—blossoming before our eyes, and. I don't know. Is is he the guy that takes Florida state into that next level of like, maybe they can make a deep March run.
1: Well, what lends that lends me to think that way is that he's also played 30 minutes in each of the last two games, you know, when he, when he was the best player on the floor and he, he'd only done that twice two other times in his career, both this year, once against Indiana, once against Georgia tech, you know? And so, so coming into this year, it's his fourth year in the program. He's been playing for three years you know, he just, he's never been a guy who would eat up a ton of minutes. He would have to come in and do all his work in like 15, 18 minutes or something like that. And so to have him at his size be in enough, good enough shape that he can play ham system for 30 minutes, that's just a huge game. That's just a huge thing for him. And couple that with how efficient he's been and good night. I mean, it, it's, it's been you know forget the Ken Palm MVP just using using the eye test it has been clear that he's the best player on the floor the last couple of games it's not to say that he's always going to be that way but just knowing that he has the ability to do that in conference games against good opponents you know that that's that's pretty exciting thing to see if you're a fan it is And, and among
0: among players on the team who play at least um let's, let's say at least a quarter of the team's minutes, 25%. So uh, the, the, the folks that that would sort of drop out are Tenorin has not played 25% of our minutes this year. Uh, Quincy Ballard has not played 25% of our minutes this year. And Nathaniel Jack has not played 25% of our minutes this year. Uh, so among everyone else on the roster, I mean, Raekwon Gray is the second best defensive rebounding uh, player on the team. Only, only just a, a touch behind Balsa. Um, he is the second best uh, block uh, percentage on the team. Uh, he is the second best steal percentage on the team. Um, he he's improving. His shot, you can clearly see him knock down some of the floaters and even now like step back long twos. Uh, You know, his three-point shot still has a little bit of room to come around. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who has made significant improvements, not since he stepped on the court uh, his freshman year, but since, you know, the end of last year. And we shouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones – have proven that if nothing else they can develop uh talent and and you you look you go all the way back to the al thorntons and and and, you know those those folks the solomon lobbies uh the michael snares up through the bernard james and and then recent years with with uh terrence Mann and trent forrest and fiondu cabangeli and all these guys devin vassell if you work at florida state you will develop as a player but but the improvement that Raekwon Gray has made even just since last year is is remarkable and I mean did you would you have imagined that you would have seen some of his offensive abilities this year
1: not the way that we've been seeing not 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 the total package I would expect more you know sort of incremental jumps like he might he might get much better at say free throw shooting and then the you know the rest of his game would still kind of be where it was but to just see him kind of get better across the board—that's that's the recruiting pitch right there. Is is for, for, forget about the one and dones. You know, any, anybody can take a take a lottery pick, have them in their system for a year, and have them leave as a lottery pick. But to have a guy come in and barely be functional at the ACC level and have them develop to this point is is remarkable. You know, it's it's. It's it's the kind of thing that you want to be pitching to all of these you know fringe top one hundred recruits that you, that you're trying to land is is come to Florida State and you will be a completely different player by the time that you leave. It's it's true,
0: and I hate to I hate to kind of call people out, uh, but you know not like they're listening to us anyways. But you know you look at a, a coach like Mike White who who I I respect like. Interviewing Mike White is a treat. He gives candid, thoughtful answers, and he clearly knows a lot about basketball. But he, you can't help but wonder that if Raquan Gray, an in-state kid, went to UF, I, I don't think there's any way. I mean, there's just no body of work to suggest that he would have developed in a manner like this. I, Mike White is taking guys like Scotty Lewis, who actually were expected to be one-and-done lottery picks. And, and I don't know that Scotty Lewis is even going to get drafted this year. He might have to come back for a third year. So you know, I just don't at this point. There's just no reason in my mind why you would pick UF over Florida State. And and even when you talk about Hall of Fame guys like like Coach K, what what's one of Coach K's kind of persistent problems now is that they have a they don't have a lot of depth. They don't have a bench. And and you know, it's we've talked sacrificing the development of you know guys five six seven eight on the roster at the expense of highlighting you know, the Jalen Johnsons or the Zions or whatever at the top of the roster and playing those guys, meaning, you know, leaning on them for the majority of minutes. I just don't know a lot of other programs in the ACC or the region that, that a guy like Raquan Gray could have been given this type of development curve.
1: Yeah. I was watching, I was watching the Duke game the other night and they, the announcers were talking about Matthew Hurt, and they were pointing out how college basketball is really about all the two and three stars out there that that develop over three and four years. And they were using Matthew Hurt as an example, and I'm like, wait a minute, he was the number twelve overall recruit in the nation. You know, he's he's this five star who's been in the system for three years, and yeah, he, yeah, he's developing, and, and 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 he's supposed to. I mean, he's a five star recruit, so yeah, you you just don't see this on a lot of other teams. Um, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna have random guys from Pitt and and you know, Syracuse and Boston College, <laughs> or, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's there's I mean there's there's definitely other examples out there. But in terms of just the consistent ability to do that, I would I would put Ham and, and staff up against certainly anybody in the ACC and maybe anybody in the nation.
0: Yeah, you, like you said, you just don't see it consistently happen year after year where there's that, oh man, Florida State loses a couple draft picks. By the way, several of those draft picks were outside the top 50 when they were recruited. You know, so loses a few draft picks and how are they going to replace that? And, and it's to the point where it's just like, I, I'm sure that one of the other guys who are now in their third or fourth year in the system are probably going to make a remarkable leak, leap and and step and fill those shoes. I, I mean, maybe Chris Beard is, is another person to put in the category, but it's it's just remarkable. And which maybe brings me to the last point of this of this UL recap here, uh, MJ Walker. We haven't even talked about MJ Walker yet. He, he's the senior leader, star of the team. Uh, and, and you talk about people who have been able to remake their games, MJ Walker scores two points against Louisville. Uh, The first, you know, first time I can remember, I guess I'm looking back now, he did score two points last year at home against uh, UNC, but I mean, really just an off night for him shooting. And what does he do? You know, he shuts me up. I had been questioning earlier whether or not he could fill out a whole box score the way that a guy like Terrence Mann or Trent Forrest could, and he comes up with with doubling his career high in assists. He grabs five defensive rebounds, which is his most defensive rebounds, uh, not just this season, but a- actually uh, going back all the way to the first game of the year last year. Uh, two blocks, a steal. I mean, he finds ways to have a, a very nice performance in, in a game in which he scored two points.
1: Yeah, he's now ninth in the ACC and uh, assist rate. So if you, if you, if you had that coming into the season, then 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 let me know. Uh, yeah, it's 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 his development has been a little bit of a special project, just because he was a very highly rated four-star recruit when he went, you know, when he when he signed at Florida State, and it's we've always really focused on his ability to transition from a three-and-D player to someone who can also score off the drive. But one of the things that we missed while sort of hyper focused on that is, you know, these other elements of the game that that are also continuing to to improve, which really shows, you know, a work ethic and and you know how hard he's working to become a complete basketball player. And it's taken maybe a little longer than we hoped, but but it's but it's there. And he is if you if you were to single out one guy on the team who's who's totally necessary from now until the end of March, it's it's MJ Walker. I mean, he's he's our leading scorer, he's the team leader. And, you know, so to see him have ten assists on a night when he couldn't score, that was that was that was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and as you mentioned, his assist rate is is almost double what it's been at earlier points in his career. By the way, folks, assist rate is the number of made shots that you assisted on while you were on the court uh, versus the number of made shots that occurred while you were on the court. Um, and so, I mean, that's almost double. Uh, his playmaking skills have taken a significant jump forward, in his his vision and ability to set up teammates. His free throw rate, like the rate at which he is getting to the free throw line, has has almost doubled uh, from last year. It has doubled from his sophomore year, which is which is excellent, uh, big time. And and if you talk, you said you know his work ethic. If there is nothing else that could show a guy's work ethic, then this progression. This is his four year free throw percentage numbers, uh, which frankly, I I care more that he's getting to the line more, but just here's his four year numbers. Freshman year, 75%. Sophomore year, 78%. Junior year, 80%. Senior year, 92%. If if that's not evidence of a guy who is getting in the gym and honing his craft of year over year over year improvement from the free throw line, I, I don't know what else is.
1: Yeah, and he's also ta- he he's taken more than he's taken twos, he's taken more free throws than he's taken threes. So it's that that ability to get to the line has also increased over the last three years. And and uh so yeah, it's it's, it's he's he's kind of rolling up into the into the complete like Michael Snare type player.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so kudos to Raquan Evans, kudos to Raquan Gray, and kudos to MJ Walker who who you know, their improvements and their their diligence and hard work in the offseason are, are making, you know, once again, Florida State is is a contender for the ACC title. Uh, so let's talk about that real quick. I want to get to the uh, the rematch against Clemson coming up. But before we do that, maybe just a couple minutes on sort of the state of the ACC. If you haven't been paying attention to the rest of the ACC, it is um, not your older brother's ACC. This is not a vintage 2017 or, or 2016 year where there was, you know, a number of of teams in the NCAA tournament and, and, and making deep runs or uh, this is, you know, I I guess by, by any stretch, probably a down year. There's, there are, it it seems like to me, maybe two teams emerging at the top of Virginia and Florida state. However, by the records, Uh, Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh uh, and Georgia Tech also only have one loss. The number of wins are all varied based on the number of canceled or postponed games. Aside from Georgia for Virginia and Florida State, Michael, uh, do any of the other teams with one loss, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh or Georgia Tech strike you as hmm? they could be uh, a wild card for grabbing one of those double buys in the ACC tournament?
1: yeah, oddly enough, I think I think it might be Pitt. I mean they they've played a, a fairly tough schedule. You know they've they played a couple road games, which they won. They've played Duke and Louisville, they've played Syracuse twice. so if you if you look at the strength of schedule at the t- at the top of the conference, Virginia's had the easiest schedule. Virginia Tech has had the second easiest schedule. And then you get down to Florida State and Pitt, who are seventh and sixth respectively. And so they, the Florida State and Pitt have, have played a little you know a little more of a, of a grind. Um, and so it's it sounds strange to be saying it, but but Pitt looks good. I mean, they 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 handled Duke. Duke had the big comeback in the second half the other night, and Pitt totally handled it. They've got Justin champenny who is a is a complete game changer, and they've got enough pieces around him that that it, it all seems to be kind of coalescing at the, at the right time. Of course, I say that now, and may, they probably end up losing you know ten ACC games or something. But no, no, but, I'm I'm but with I, you. Uh, I, yeah, I'm all in on Pitt.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 would be, I, I would be, I would say shocked if they lost 10, 10 ACC games. I, now, now, if Champagne gets hurt again, then that, that's a different story. But right, now, you know, in preseason they thought, well, they lost Trey McGowan's, um, Bryce McGowan's older brother. They, they lost him to Nebraska, uh, and you know, wh- where are they going to find scoring? But Champagne is, is such a monster. I mean, putting up like you know, 30 and 20 type numbers in some of these games that he, he is just a real game changer. And, and, you know, basketball is one of those sports that if you walk onto the if two teams walk onto the court, there's a decent chance that the team with a guy that's that much better than other people is probably going to win the game. Um, but, you know, they're they are they're good for sure. What about the, what about the traditional powers, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, um, the Louisvilles, even if you want to throw the Notre Dames in there who at least at times in this league have, have, you know, flexed their muscles. um, I don't know. I I don't necessarily see any, if I had to pick one, I'd say, you know, maybe North Carolina is starting to come around um, as they sort of start to realize that their bigs are the best and, and, you know, run through that. But, I don't don't see any of those teams really making a, a push to the top.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. There's their Duke and Louisville play Saturday. And, you know, the winner of that game kind of positions themselves to be the team that can maybe get back to the top of the standings. But again, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, Louisville lost to Miami. Miami's bad. And and Duke is just not you know not all that on offense or defense they have no they they're, they're not so you know, soft. Duke level on on either end of the floor yeah they're soft they they so can't soft. score It's just, they're 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 a mess and North Carolina I mean they're everybody picked them like fourth in the ACC but they're done they're 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 not going to be the team that makes the run and Notre Dame is terrible so they're obviously not going to be the one. I,
0: I think you know North Carol I think North Carolina could get it done if <laughs> I had to pick on a guy but if if Caleb Love maybe stops um, using so many possession I mean Caleb Love is hurting them offensively and it, if they you know they I, they got Anthony Harris back um, from from the injury. He, he made a surprise uh, a surprise appearance in our game and I don't know I, I could see. I can see North Carolina maybe getting into the the fourth or fifth spot. I I agree with you about, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Louisville can, can write the ship here, but that was a bad loss to Miami. And then at the bottom, you've, I mean, you've got just uh, Boston college and wake forest are, are not good basketball teams. And uh, I mean, wake forest is trying, they've got the new coach. There was a Steve Forbes and, clearly their effort has been better this year than it was in the last couple of years under uh, Danny Manning. Like they aren't quitting in games and losing by 40, um, but they just don't have a lot of pieces to work with.
1: Yeah. And, and the, 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 at least they tried, they, they, they hung in there against North Carolina, but, but uh, you know, they're just wake is wake is a really bad basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. There's
0: yeah. That's, that's about all there is to say. (laughs) I felt, I felt like Forrest Gump there. That's about all I have to say about that. Um, So I, Syracuse is maybe, maybe one of the wild, wild cards to me. They, they, they look horrendous in one game uh, and then they'll come out in another game and, and really shoot well and confuse a team with, with their zone Um, you know? And so I, I don't know, Syracuse, not to say they can make a run to the top, but I feel like maybe they have the potential to string together a few wins. They've got Virginia Tech at home this weekend and then and then go to Virginia, um, but I, I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah, looking at everybody's schedule it kind of seems like everybody has a soft schedule but but it's really just because the, you know the ACC is down. We don't play Syracuse, that's one of the games that we missed. So we have, we really have no dog in that race. So if, they, if if they're good or they're good, if they're bad, they're bad. It doesn't really impact us. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's funny. You the rest of the league is down and then you go and look, and I think the ACC is something like eight and one against the SEC or something like that. So I don't know. My question is how bad is the SEC uh, other than uh, Alabama, who, who after losing some early games, including one to Clemson has, has just turned into like Kentucky reincarnated and just absolutely drilling everybody who they play. Um, but uh, yeah if if the ACC is down I, it's still probably the third best league in the country all right let's take a uh, a quick break not, not a long one pay payment we'll just pay one of the bills today and uh, we'll come back and we will talk about the rematch with Clemson I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons So uh, we're back. We, we just, if you missed it, we covered the, the UL uh, win double digit win and it, it, always nice to get a win over the, the old Metro rival and, and, and just it's particularly focused on just the remarkable improvements made by some of last year's role players stepping into to starring roles this year. Um, now let's look ahead. Uh, Florida state lost to Clemson 77, 67 in a, in a road game earlier in the year, this was uh prior to the COVID pause. And, and quite honestly, at that point in time, Florida State still seemed to be finding its way. They, they weren't shooting as they are now. And, and, but really, everything just seemed a little bit out of sync. And, and even the energy just wasn't, you know, we were questioning the depth at that time. Uh, since they had that chance to kind of regroup, uh, you know, get, get themselves, you know, find their footing over the COVID break, they've come out and put together three consecutive strong performance, they being Florida State. On the other side of the coin, Clemson, uh, who at one point was ranked as high as, I think, 12th in the country, uh, boasting wins over Alabama and, and Florida State and Maryland. Um, Clemson, the last two games, has just been curb stomped uh, by both Virginia and Georgia Tech. Uh, both, uh, both the Yellow Jackets and the Wahoos absolutely shooting the nets off the rim. Uh, so, I don't know, what do you make of Clemson? I mean, it seems like both teams are going in opposite directions.
1: If you're a Clemson fan, the world looked pretty good a week ago. You know, you're you're ranked twelfth. You're nine and one, three and one in the ACC. you had beaten good teams. Everything was looking great, and then that Virginia game happened, where they lost by thirty-five. And then they, you know, the then the surprising thing was following it up last night with with the you know getting whooped by, by Georgia Tech, which is you know you mentioned it, it is it is two ships passing in the night right now. Florida State is playing its best basketball of the year which is very different from the last time they played and Clemson is playing its worst basketball of the year who knows if that's going to hold serve on Saturday but but that's definitely the, the way that it looks right now
0: all right and some of, some of this I'll be honest some of this I just may maybe is just a, a run of bad luck uh you know UVA it's funny, Florida State put up one of, we talked about one of the most impressive uh, points per possession performances of, of the last two decades against NC State with like a 1-5-3 uh, or something like that. And, and then uh, UVA did not match it, but came back and, and put up like a like a one, four, 7 or something of their own against Clemson in that road win, and they just shot the lights out of the ball. And and then Georgia Tech, you know, we've talked about how three-point shooting sometimes has a bit of that lottery effect. I mean, let me let me hit you with a number here. Georgia Tech was 15 of 28 from two, 15 of 28 from two, which is nice shooting, 53%. They were 16 of 26 from three. I mean, that 16 of 26, you're not beating a team like that. So is it possible that Clemson is just kind of run into some hot shooting teams and they're not as bad as they've looked the last two games
1: well they they do and they always have given up a lot of looks from three it's just the way that that their defense works you know they're so like Florida State they're so hyper focused on the paint that sometimes they, they forget about the uh, for, for, forget about the perimeter but against v- v- Georgia Tech they Clemson also made half their threes so it's not like you know they, they didn't have the ability to, to win a game. You know against a, an okay opponent, you make half your threes. You got to feel pretty good. You know, you're you're not you're not thinking that you're staring at an 18 point loss. So, yeah, Virginia and Georgia Tech both both shot lights out, and that certainly impacted the score. But Clemson's got deeper problems than just teams making a bunch of threes.
0: Well, and. So, maybe I'll ask you to talk about those deeper problems, but but even uh, let me say this, even if it's just a function of running into some, you know, hot shooting teams, oh, by the way, you're going to play the number one three point shooting team in the ACC that a team is notorious for really stepping it up at home uh, in the Tucker Center. So I don't know that, that the free the the three point shooting uh, woes for Clemson opponents are are necessarily, about to get better, but you mentioned some of the deeper uh, flaws. What what has contributed to you know they've they've now lost three conference games, two of them two of them back to back.
1: Well, if you if you recall in the Florida State game, they shot thirty three free throws, which was just totally ridiculous for a team that's not good against the get into the line. Against Virginia and Georgia Tech, they shot twelve total in, in two games. So they're they're not giving themselves any opportunity to pick up free points and. Uh, you know, this will likely all change against Florida state because we, we tend to get the whistle that way. But, but if, if they're, if they're not scoring points at the line, then, you know, where are they getting their points from? They're, they're a decent uh, shooting team. They make 34%, which is, you know, right, right about the, the NCAA average from, from deep. And they, they're, they're not, they, they're turn, turn the ball over more than average um their offensive rebound is maybe average. You know, they're just there's not a lot of places where Clemson has the ability to pick up free uh, free or cheap points. So if, if they're facing a team that's burying threes, it's just I Clemson doesn't have the offense right now to be able to to, to be able to play play catch up. And it seems to be getting worse rather than better.
0: So if I'm hearing you correctly, then so looking back at the first, cause you, it's almost like, well, how, how could Florida state, based on what you're saying, how could Florida state have lost, not just lost the first game, but actually lost it by double digits. I, I will point out that that game was uh, nearly tied going into kind of the final um, final 10 minutes of it. And then, and then it looked like Clemson wore down uh, and at that point in time, kind of tired and, 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 you know, struggling Florida state team, but it, how 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 did Flo- how did Clemson beat Florida State the first time? Just simply the the getting to the line thirty three times.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty much a perfect storm. They they got to the line thirty three times. We got to the line nine times. Uh, we turned the ball over way more than than we should have, especially considering that Clemson doesn't. You know they're they're not out there forcing a, a, a ton of turnovers like like Florida State does, um, and then. Uh, Actually, that's that's probably I I shouldn't say that they they're they're pretty good at forcing turnovers. But in that game, we we you know we 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 made a lot of of uh, you know sort of uncontested turnovers that led to easy twos. And then Florida State also could just couldn't make a shot. I mean, we shot twenty eight percent from deep in the last three games cumulatively. We've shot fifty three percent from deep. You know, the 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 real Florida State is somewhere in between those two. So if Florida State would have just had you know, an average shooting night, um, you know, regardless of the other problems, then it's, then it's pretty much a tie game going down the stretch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and tie games have we, as we have seen over the last decade uh, tend to fall close games or overtime games tend to fall Florida state's way. So, Um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you one more question. Is there any, is there any like a a player to watch? We're pretty familiar with Clemson. We play them twice a year. Amir Sims is, you know, a senior, but is there any uh, one player that you're concerned about? Maybe, maybe on the Clemson side, I feel like from the Florida state side, we're kind of going to do what we do. Uh, We're going to shoot threes. We're going to try to get out in transition. We're going to pound the offense glass. Is there anybody on the Clemson side that just is, is concerning to you?
1: Yeah, I think I think the first person of concern would, would be Lee Castle, and he's not a player for Clemson; he's a referee. And if we, if we get him, then then look out; it's, it might might be a long night. But in terms of, of Clemson players, uh, Nick Honor is probably the guy. You know, he's a, he's a transfer. Um, he he came into Clemson from Fordham, and he's just he's just a sophomore. He's a little bowling ball of a guy, five ten, and he's shot the most threes. For Clemson this year, and he's made forty-four percent. And so, you know, Florida State sometimes has a tendency to lose shooters in transition. And if someone like like uh, Nick Honor were to get hot, then then that would it could definitely go an awfully long way to keeping them in the game.
0: Yeah, good stuff. And and you know, Tuck has has pretty notoriously good sight lines too. So it's not just Florida State that shoots well uh, from three in Tuck. Oftentimes, you see opponents do that too and, and and it's just a it's just a nice shooting arena so um all right well what what about uh, a, a score prediction here we, we both picked a florida state win over louisville uh we were both correct although i think i think we both did have us covering but uh neither one of us had us had us winning by double digits uh what is your uh prediction going into the the rematch with clemson
1: well, this is a game that I would really like Anthony Playe to be ready for. So hopefully, his shoulder injury uh, was not too bad. But regardless of whether or not he plays, I think we pick up the win. And if ever, if, if if we have our full arsenal of players, I'm going to go ahead and take like a 77 to, to 68 type win. So we'll win and cover.
0: Okay, so you're taking sort of sort of the mirror image of the first game, which was a 77 to 67 yep. uh, Clemson win. So I I agree with you. Anthony Polite would, would certainly make a difference, especially against a guy like Nick honor who you brought up. Uh, It's always nice having your best perimeter defender. I I also though, just think that, you know, Malik Osborne is playing a lot better basketball right now than he was three to four weeks ago. Raekwon Evans has, as, as we've talked about, has stepped it up. Um, Even guys like uh, Tenor and Gom and Nathaniel Jack are finding ways to contribute so I, I do think that we're, we're just a different team right now. And I from listening to some of the players, uh, they they certainly um, are motivated by the previous result um, against Clemson earlier this year. There seems to be a chip on their shoulder. And so I will say that Florida State wins and I'll say they, they uh, duplicate their 13-point win that they just had against Louisville. Um, crazy to think of three double digit ACC wins out of four games, but, but give me um, 80 to 67.
1: Well, all right then.
0: Yeah. So I, we both have us covering and covering, I don't want to say big, but you know, covering by a healthy, healthy amount. Um, All right. Anything else for anything else standing out to you? You got any other uh, Saturday games on your watching plate? I'll be, Tuning into the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game that is happening at the exact same time as as FSU and Clemson on ABC.
1: Uh-oh. Yeah, there's as always on Saturday, there's some there's some good basketball for the non-football watchers out there. You know, we got Duke, Louisville, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Kansas State, Oklahoma, or Kansas, Oklahoma. There's 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 some good games out there with the highlight being Florida, Florida State hosting Clemson at uh, I believe three o'clock in the afternoon that day.
0: Yeah. Three, and, and I think, I don't know that we've ever played a basketball game on ABC. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the, the North Carolina, the Dolkis game may have been on ABC. I don't recall.
0: You know what that, that could be, that could be, uh, I know we've been on CBS outside the tournament. We've been on CBS against UNC a few times, um, but that you could be right. I was actually at the Dolkies game. So I
1: yeah. don't recall. Uh, all right, and we need we need an art, we need an archivist on the on the staff. If anybody has any uh, good we'll, connections,
0: we'll get them, get them. <laughs> We we can we can pay you in uh, <laughs> in compliments. <so. laughs> um, all right, well, uh, good stuff as always, and and hopefully we will be doing another podcast after after a win uh, coming up uh, later later in the weekend. For for Michael, I am Matt signing off.